0: Let's bow before our Lord and seek the help of the Holy Spirit who guides us into all truth. Father, it's your book. And even on this trip, I've just been amazed at how you've preserved it for us, things like Qumran and the Dead Sea Scrolls and what you have done. and. You've made sure we have a very accurate copy of your word to learn and to grow and to think your thoughts. So now by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you open your truth to us, instruct us. Thank you for your help in Jesus' name, amen. For a number of years now, I've been deeply impacted by an educational video that's out that is used to train teachers. It's getting older, but it's still used in the training processes. I've seen it a number of times, and I often think of it, and it's it's a profound video to at least mention to you today. The opening clip of the video starts out with a young boy named... Uh, Roger. Roger is standing over on the side of a bus stop waiting for the school bus to come in the morning. It's a cold January morning. The other kids are running around and playing and having fun. The boys are throwing snowballs and the girls are huddling trying to stay warm. Roger's off on the edge by himself and he's looking down. Clearly he is not connecting and no one is connecting with Roger. In the next scene, the bus pulls up, and the kids are all scrambling to get on. It's cold, and they want to get on the warm bus. And Roger sort of shuffles along in back of the rest of the group and gets to the bus. And he mounts the bus, and all the other kids are, yeah, come on, come on, you know, to the front, sit with me, sit with me. No one's looking for Roger to sit with them. Roger just looks down and plods down the aisle of the bus, finds an empty seat, and plunks down. Pretty soon you hear the bus driver closing the door and the air brakes release and the bus is rolling and moving down the road. A mile or mile and a half down the road, suddenly Roger stands up in his seat. His books were on his lap, school books. They fall to the floor. He doesn't even notice it. And the driver hears the bang of the books, the noise of the books, and he looks up in, you know, the mirror over his head that he can see the kids, and he says, Hey kids, sit down, the bus is rolling. Roger pays no attention. In fact, Roger gets out on the aisle and begins to walk forward in the bus, and he comes up to the white line right in back of the bus driver's seat, and he stands there. The kid, the bu- driver's looking at him. And, kid, are you all right? got to sit down. The bus is rolling. And Roger's not moving. He's just standing there looking down. Finally, the bus driver begins to pull the bus over, brings the bus to a stop. As soon as the bus stops, Roger moves forward over the white line, turns right, and begins to go down the steps. Bus driver doesn't know what to do. Are you kidding? You all right? He opens the door of the bus. Roger leaves the bus, and Roger collapses into a snowbank along the side of the road. The opening scene of the video closes with the sounds of sirens in the distance. They're obviously coming to give medical attention to Roger. But somehow, the hauntiness of this opening scene leaves you with the feeling of this is not going to end well for Roger. And it doesn't. Roger died. This is a true story about a fellow named Roger. A young boy... They could not determine the cause of his death. They did an autopsy. There was no sickness. There was no illness of any kind. No one could understand. An interested teacher took up the case. She had had him a few years before. She remembered Roger as being a very energetic fellow, always engaging with friends around him, a good student, great grades. But it appeared a couple years ago as she looked into the story that there was trouble at home and Roger's father ended up leaving and he was heartbroken over that and mom was heartbroken. She had her own issues to deal with and soon mom fell in love with another fella and he entered the home and they were married and Roger was sort of overlooked. In fact, the new dad didn't really even give much attention to Roger and little by little, Roger's world shut down. As the teacher looked further into the story, realized that Roger became more and more disconnected from the world around him, from his friends at school. They went on with their lives. He stayed alone. His grades began to dip, and the teachers gave up, just thinking, well, the kid's not working, so they didn't put time in with him. They simply let him go. Roger did not die of some illness, some wound to his physical body. He died because of a lack of human connection. There was nothing wrong with his body. He simply shut down. You say, can that happen? Yes. In fact, we could probably say there are many Roger-like people in our world, maybe not quite as far along as Roger, but they're dying day by day out of broken hearts and disconnected and what they really need is a significant touch from a friend, a word of encouragement or kindness, perhaps a card or a note. If you talk to these people, they're absolutely convinced no one cares. And you might try to convince them that you care. They won't even hear it because their minds are made up. In their minds, no one cares. I suppose in recent years, this problem has been exasperated by the coronavirus. There's been a number of studies that have been done showing the, damaging, the damage that we're experiencing in our culture of too much isolation from coronavirus, the shutdown, all of that. We're paying the price now, and we'll continue to pay it for years. These are hard things. Today, as we continue our study in the gospel of Mark, we look at a man Who was a social reject? Oh, he had his illness too. He was a leper. He had leprosy. But he had been totally cut off by his culture. And I think so much of the time we focus on the incredible healing that Jesus performed in healing this man of his leprosy. And I take nothing away from that, it was a miracle. But a careful read of this passage will show that Jesus did more than heal this man physically. He healed this man by actually touching him. Follow along as I read from Mark chapter 1, starting at verse 40. You can follow along with the screens here in the auditorium or at home. You can certainly open your own Bible as well. I encourage you to do that. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cured. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning see that you don't tell this to anyone. But go and show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. This is the reading of God's Word. May he bless it. Now we enter the commentary section on God's Word. I want to start with verse 40. I want you to focus on the leper's need. You see his need here in verse 40. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. I think in our modern world, we know little about leprosy. And what we do know in our world today, Hansen's disease is not the same kind of leprosy of the New Testament era. The Greek word that is used here for the leprosy situation is a very broad word that encompasses all kinds of skin ailments, including a contagious form of leprosy. In the ancient world, before microscopes and understanding of germs, etc., contagiousness, there were laws in the Old Testament about handling skin infections, quarantine periods, where a person could be quarantined to see if it was contagious. Leviticus 13 is very clear about this. The idea was to protect the uninfected from the skin rashes. What we can be certain of in this passage is of all the skin diseases that this Greek word could refer to, this is translated leprosy, probably referring to something that is contagious. In fact, if you look, this account is told in Matthew, Mark, Luke. We're looking at it in Mark. Luke refers to it. Remember, Luke was a doctor. He says this case was advanced. The man had, he was covered with leprosy. What we know of the various types of leprosy in the New Testament era era was that... uh, leprosy began with white spots on the skins and then soon the fingernails and the toenails would fall off eventually teeth would begin to fall out and little by little the nerves in the extremities would die so if you were cooking in a fire you couldn't even feel if your hand was getting too hot and burning you would just burn your flesh and flesh would be destroyed and And soon, a person with leprosy would have limbs without fingers and even hands and nubs on the end of their wrists. That's all that they would have after years of this. Same with their feet. Often, people with leprosy had smells of rotting flesh with them. They had tumors on their face and other parts of their body. It was an ugly, horrible disease, repulsive These people were quarantined outside of society. They could not return to their homes because of the possibility of infection. If there were more than a couple in a town, they would perhaps live together outside the town by themselves. They would not have connection with their family and friends. They were social outcasts. But it's much more than a physical disease. Which is the heart of where this passage goes. Yes, Jesus certainly cured the leprosy, but he cured more from this man. There is emotional illness and damage here as well. Apparently, if Dr. Luke was right and this man was advanced in his leprosy, he had been away from his family for years without a hope of returning. Societal practices call for lepers to stay at least six feet away from any other person. Hard to imagine he did that. Here he's so desperate. He comes falling on his knees, begging. He is desperate. Interestingly, in the Matthew account, Matthew adds one word to the text, the word Lord. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. This man knew Jesus had the power. He just didn't know if Jesus would be willing. If you're willing, you can make me clean. Having lived so long in such horrible conditions, he was looking for hope. Notice how he does not say, If you're willing, you can heal me. He says, You can make me clean. These words are carefully chosen. Clean is not simply referring to physical healing. There's a lot of shame that goes with leprosy. So much of leprosy in the ancient world was connected to sin. Not every leper was a sinner, was judged with leprosy for their sin, but some were. We have biblical illustrations of that. Even Moses' sister, when she turned against Moses, she was struck with leprosy for her sin. King Uzziah. After a great period of his life, when he got too proud, he was struck with leprosy. Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, when he doubled back to get some money out of Elisha's healings, he was struck with leprosy. There was an overtone with leprosy in the biblical context that suggests this person's a sinner. So they have a contagious disease. They're put outside of culture, but they're also considered to be sinful. So this man says, please heal me. Make me clean. There's a lot going on in this passage besides simply physical healing. Several years ago, Emily and I took a missions trip to Africa, and uh, with some of the missionaries we were visiting there, we had the opportunity to visit a, mission, uh, a leprosy Hospital of a leprosy colony. These people had been forsaken by their families, and their leprosy was not even contagious, but they were forsaken by their family and forced to live together outside of town. Missionaries took us for a visit there. We were assured they were not contagious. I was safely behind the video camera operating, Emily was shaking hands with some of the people. That's my wife. I remember in particular the distinctive sick smelling of the environment. Perhaps some of it was disinfectants and some of it was medicines, but it was a pretty bad smell. I remember a young boy with a nub on his wrist, no hand or fingers, surgically wrapped. He had had some surgery probably to help his condition, I don't know. Missionaries gathered the folks, and they sang some songs of worship to our Lord Jesus. A few of them gave testimonies. A translator helped us understand. One lady in particular, I remember, she testified how glad she was she had gotten leprosy so she would go to the leprosy colony, because that's where she heard about the love of Jesus for her. Whoa. Whoa. Today our world is filled with people that maybe don't have leprosy, but boy, they are social outcasts in their circles and they are hurting and their hearts are broken and they're significantly separated from the people that are supposed to love them in life. Maybe you could be Jesus to them. They're certainly ready. The question is if we are. What's the old saying? People don't care what you know until they know that you care. I don't think many Christians understand how love and connection with such people empowers our message of the gospel. This is the leper's need. Let's look now at verses 41 and 42 and look at the Savior's compassion towards this man. Filled with compassion... Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him, and he was cured. Boy, there's so much to unpack there. I want to begin with the second word that I have highlighted, the word touched. Did that strike you when we read that verse? Jesus touched that man? If Dr. Luke is right and this man was covered with leprosy. He's in advanced stages. He had not experienced the kiss of his wife, the hug from his children, a friendly handshake for years. I imagine when Jesus reached out and touched him, the man probably, (laughs) he reacted, he recoiled. I imagine the crowd must have, (gasps) the disciples probably were shocked. You don't touch lepers. Interestingly, the Greek word used here is not just he touched him. The Greek word is he took hold of him, probably by the shoulders. Maybe a hand on the shoulder, maybe a hand on the side of the face. Did Jesus need to touch him to heal him? Don't miss the fact that Jesus touched him. There were other times in Scripture that Jesus did healings and he didn't touch. Like the ten lepers that came, he spoke the word and they were healed. The centurion that comes and wants the servant healed, the servant's not even on sight. Jesus speaks the word and the guy's healed. Jesus intentionally touched this man. Because there was more than physical healing to take place. It's interesting to study this in light of the Old Testament scriptures and the ceremonial laws like in Leviticus and so on, realizing that if you touch a person with a skin disease, you're ceremonially unclean. It doesn't mean you sin. It means you're unclean. You have to go through a cleansing process. Jesus still touched the man. The text is clear. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cured. What'd that mean? Did the guy start growing fingers again? I mean, I don't know. Did the tumor fall off? I don't know what this means, but... He was healed. I'm absolutely convinced he was healed more than just leprosy, though. The second word that I highlighted here was the word compassion. This is an incredible word when you think about it because uh, the New Testament scholar, Lenski, he talks about three different Greek words for compassion. He says this is the most powerful of the three. Jesus in his compassion reaches out and touches. You realize how awkward touch is? Feel a little weird right now? He does. I know, Brian, we're buds. It's okay, we're friends. This is the strongest word for compassion. The deep, sensitive heart of our Lord Jesus, the servant Jesus, theme of the book of Mark. He serves this man just not With a physical healing of leprosy, he connects with this man. People do not know what you care until they know that you care. Sometimes we Christians and some of us who are theologians and so on, we spend so much time wording our theology and getting all the wording just perfect and being able to say it just right. And that's so important. I understand that. But who cares if you don't care about people? I think that's the point of this passage. Why not just heal the guy and maybe after he's healed then give him a hug? No, Jesus has a very compassionate connection to this man. He takes the time, if you would, he takes the risk and he connects. Some people in our world today are afraid to touch and connect. Sometimes it has to do with a dying friend. It's amazing to me over the years as a pastor, doing so many different funerals and so on, I've heard families say, we were surprised as our loved one died who came and who didn't come to visit. When we touch, when we connect with people, we demonstrate a deep compassion. We care. And this empowers the message of love of our God. God's love for people. Make that visit. Make that phone call. Write that note. Connect with that person who has chosen a different lifestyle. Connect with the alcoholic that makes you feel uncomfortable. Connect with a person who has AIDS. Connect with the homeless. Connect with a person who sees gender issues differently than you do. But I don't know what to say, I don't know what to do. Go anyhow. Sometimes your tears and your silence and not having words says more than what your words could ever say. Having been trained as a pastor and being at a lot of bedsides with family members where their loved one is dying, there's nothing that can be said. We can affirm the truths of our faith that the Lord is our shepherd and we walk through the valley of the shadow of death we'll fear no evil but there is ultimately nothing that can be said to change the situation. So don't hide behind the fact there's nothing to be said. Wherever the compassion of Christ flows through us to some yearning heart, there is cleansing and there is healing that takes place. And is this not the bottom line of what the gospel is? So Calvary has launched these target ministries feeding of homeless people in code blue in our food pantry, and some are hesitant to get involved. I understand. But each of these offers an opportunity to love and care for people, to truly show compassion. Are we agreed now there's more here than just physical healing in this passage? There's compassion, there's care. This man got a whole lot more than what he bargained for. He got more than simply physical healings. I want to turn our attention to verses 45 43, 44 and 45. We've seen the lepers' knees, we've seen Jesus compassion. I, I want to show you the surprise ending now, and it is a surprise ending. This is not what any of us expected. Verse 43 begins, Jesus sent him away at once with this very strong warning. So, Jesus is going to warn this man now. He's experienced healing. His fingers apparently have grown back. The tumors have fallen off. He is obviously cleansed. Jesus says, see that you don't tell this to anyone. Why would Jesus prove it? Because there's an Old Testament requirement for people who are getting beyond a skin rash you got to do what the Old Testament says. Jesus says, go and show yourself to the priest. And by the way, the word show... It's an imperative in the Greek. It means it's not optional. It's a command. You go to the priest and you show yourself to him and you offer, that's also a command, a sacrifice that you're, according to the law of Moses causes you to, to give that offering and you, you do the offering of cleansing as a testimony to them. You go do that so that they understand who healed you, how it happened, what a testimony that can be. This is the word that Jesus gives this man. Instead, verse 45, We can get our neck, there it is. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly or stayed outside in lowly place. Did you see what just happened in that text? The guy had been lonely for years, and now he goes back to fellowship. Jesus says, don't go telling everybody, go do what you need to do according to the Mosaic law. Now Jesus becomes the one that is lonely. He goes out to the lo- Did you see the role reversal? <sighs> Yet yeah, people still came out to him from everywhere because there was hope in him. Perhaps this would be a good place to introduce an analogy regarding, a spiritual analogy regarding leprosy. In the scriptures, leprosy is often treated as sin. It's associated with sin. Miriam, Moses' sister, she does wrong and she is struck with leprosy. Elijah's servant, Gehazi, struck with leprosy for his sin. Often a connection of leprosy with sin. There's a leprosy-like thing in our lives, too. It's called sin. It separates us from God. It separates us from the key people in our life. It ruins relationships. It even destroys our lives. It destroys our bodies, many of our sins. But there is a Savior who deeply cares. He is incredibly compassionate. And he can make us clean whole again 2nd Peter chapter 3 verse 9 says he is patient with you and not wanting any to perish but all to come to him for repentance 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 4 God wants all peoples to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Perhaps what you need today is a touch of the servant, the Lord Jesus, the servant of the gospel of Mark. A compassionate touch in your life. All of us at one time or another have been in those moments, some more than others, but all of us have been in the moments where we feel like no one cares Really, nobody really cares. Nobody understands. There is one who does. And he is amazingly compassionate. And he's got people around you who are not perfect in the way they show it, but they should be prepared to show you the love of Christ. You and I need to be those people. But perhaps you're here today and you need to experience the compassion of Christ. When God created this world, he created an absolutely perfect world. Adam and Eve were in the garden together. There was no sin. There was no death. There was nothing. And they chose to sin, and they got us all into trouble, and we have followed in suit. Can't understand why God does these things. He made the world perfect. We messed it up. But in his love and compassion, he wants to bring us back. And not just give us what we want. He's not a genie in the bottle. Heal me, Lord. He wants to fix your soul. And so God the Father sent his son into this world. All sin has to be punished. And when Jesus hung on that cross, God the Father punished his son on that cross for your sin and mine. Out of compassion and love, he reaches out with a plan to save our sin-sick souls. The choice is yours. Well, I don't know that he did do that. But... Make it up whatever way you want. It's your choice. God's reaching out to you by faith and offering you this opportunity. Would you bow your heads with me, please? In a moment, we'll be coming to the communion table to remember the great salvation that he provided for us But right now, this is a moment between you and God to make sure that you know Jesus as your Savior from sin. He loves you, and he really does care. And he showed that by dying on the cross, taking the punishment for your sin that separates you from him. Your sin can be forgiven. You can't earn your salvation. You can accept it, believing that Jesus paid the price for your sin. Would you offer a prayer in your heart to him today? God, I know I'm a sinner. I know my sin separates me from you. Thank you that Jesus took my punishment. Just tell him that. Ask him to forgive your sin. He will. Thank you, Father, for these moments in this deeply moving section where the servant, the Lord Jesus, ministers to a complete person, not just physical needs, but other needs as well. And by way of application, may we see that we too are sin sick in our own lives and needing of the help of the Lord Jesus for our salvation. Thank you, Lord, for the salvation that Jesus offers. Offered you offered through your son Jesus for us. And now, Father, as we transition to the communion elements, May our hearts be filled with joy. May our perspective be refreshed as we remember what you did for us. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.